Welcome back, Diamonds Girlcast, episode four. If you hadn't realized, you probably do because you've clicked on it. But yeah, how are you, Sheree? How are you doing today? I'm so good. You know, a little birdie told me last episode you could maybe hear me munching away on a digestive biscuit. And I don't apologize. I double down. I'll munch on a digestive biscuit whenever I want. <laughs> You're also pregnant. And to be honest, it would have been even worse if halfway through an episode, you had just disappeared because you'd passed out. <laughs> and I wouldn't be able to rec- like rescue you because we're on Zoom. That would be really sad. So keep up your snacks. I'm sorry for munching sounds, everyone. That's real life. (laughs) Real life. Do you know what? We're going to start well. Eat your snacks well. You also might hear some extra sounds in the background today because we are having to work from home. Thank you, COVID. And um, as a result, I've got two little tiny children screaming downstairs. So they just add to the real life, eh? Yeah. (laughs) Ambiance. Absolutely. So last week, guys, we were talking about the Holy Spirit. If you've not checked out last week's episode, pause this one go back and listen, and then definitely come back to this episode, okay? So we were thinking about what is the point of the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit is so important because it's a power of God working in and through us. And it's the place where God gives good gifts to us, which transform our lives and other people's around us. And it's how the church grows. But this week, we're thinking about why read the Bible? Like, what is the Bible? What has that got to do with my life? And so I've been doing some research this week. But before we get into the Bible... I want you to tell me, Sheree, what is the best book? You're only allowed to pick one and you can't see the Bible. Mm -hmm. What's the best book you've ever read? You know, the really sad truth is the first book that came to my mind, which I've been wanting to reread the whole series for a while now, is Twilight with the vampires. Did you ever read those? No, I was one of those people that just went straight to the films. Well, it's obviously it's not the highest quality fiction. I do read more elevated work than that but I remember reading the Twilight series for the first time it was one of these like you can't put it down I was like glued to my couch just uh loving it because it's so you know addicting reading so I'd love to read Twilight again such a good series (laughs) such a good series and you know what one of the characters kids is called Esme what can I say she's got got good taste in names um what's a a really good book or the best you've ever read it's so hard I can I just pick a good one I've had recently like is that okay of course so I I read a book you're allowed to say anything okay cool thanks (laughs) um I mean like I just read a book recently and by a woman called Joe Saxton it's called Ready to Rise and it's about leadership and it's about walking in a space for your life. And I just read it at a right time in my life and it really spoke deeply into my life. So it's one of those kind of books that like is a reflecting who you are and where you're going type of thing. And I found mm-hmm. it really great. And I'm always kind of the person that I prefer kind of real books like that in terms of not like fiction um, or I prefer like autobiographies. So um, yeah, really good book. Go check it out, guys called Ready to Rise by Joe Saxon and Joe Saxon is an amazing woman and um, yeah she's just awesome she's a black author mum she's a pastor she does leadership coaching and she just has a lot of really great stuff to say so mm, those two out. very different recommendations of books <laughs> I know right <laughs> I love it so good so guys I don't know if you know this but the bible is the most published book into the most amount of languages ever to be written And it is actually not allowed to be on the bestseller list of the week or the year or the month because it would sell out every single time because there are so many billions of copies sold every year. Like that Mm -hmm. is insane. 
Um, and actually, I never realized that, but it is the most amazing book. And so as a result, it's not even allowed to be on the bestsellers list. Pure Bible. Um, but that is pretty mental that this book is being translated into so many languages. And do you know what? It trumps Harry Potter on the bestseller list in terms of how many books sold, as well as Lord of the Rings. And obviously those books are amazing and have been sold into so many different languages and copies. So the fact that the Bible trumps those is pretty amazing, isn't it? Well, I think it would maybe change our attitude towards the Bible if we saw it at the top of the bestseller list every single week. So I don't yeah. know. We should get it on. Come on, Cherie. Petition. <laughs> so tell us, what is the Bible? What is the Bible? Oh, my goodness. Well, the Bible obviously is a book. And so if you're coming at this totally fresh, then yes, it is written word. It is a book. But it is a collection of books as well by many different authors. You can set me right, Bridget, but I think it's 66 different books in the Bible, isn't it? I think I would trust your... Um... Your info on that. You're pretty clued up. (laughs) And so the Bible is um, 66 different books by a number of different authors, but we would say it's all really by God. It's all inspired by God. It's God's word, you know, is what it's often called. And um, all these different authors, um, we believe, and we think there's many proofs actually, that these people were called specifically by God to write down the things that they did, um, whether they be you know, eyewitnesses to certain events. Some of them wrote down histories. Some of them wrote down laws. Some of them wrote down poetry and songs. So there's a lot in the Bible, but it's all inspired by God. And all of this, we'd say, because it's God's word, is true. True with a capital T, not a truth, or I guess, you know, this bit is true, but I'm not sure about this bit. We really believe because it's God's word that it is all the truth, that it's one of like, if not the top place that we go to understand uh, God, to understand our world, to understand ourselves. The Bible should be our key source of understanding for all of these things. So how do we know that though? How do we know that the Bible is true? Well, this is a matter of faith. First and foremost, you know, if you're sitting here looking for 25 proofs of why the Bible is true, then you're missing the key point, which is faith, that we believe it's God's word. And so it is a matter of faith, but there is lots and lots and lots and lots of historical evidence. The Bible is a historical book, and so a lot of the events written about happened thousands of years ago. Um, And the, you know, the scriptures have been tested against other historical documents, and you know, they, they line up, they match. And so, you know, I work with primary school kids a lot and they get this idea sometimes that the Bible is all myth. And then you show them maps and pictures that say, look here, Bethlehem that we read about in the Bible, that's a real city and a real place. And it's basic things like this, where we think the Bible is this sort of mythical document, but no, it's very based in history And that gets proved right all the time. And you can dig into that more a bit yourself. Um, It's, yeah, when we compare it to other historical texts, um, it is really, really reliable. And especially for an ancient document, and we're talking seriously ancient, thousands of years old, the Bible rates incredibly high in how reliable it is and areas where people used to question you know if they were like oh actually that ruler didn't live at that time or that city isn't there or you know 
ways that people used to say, oh, well, the Bible might not be accurate because of these historical inaccuracies. Well, sometimes after a bit of <laughs> archaeology, things were found to be true about the Bible. You know, oh, actually, there is a city there. We just had to dig a little deeper. <laughs> yeah. So I think so. You can speak into reliability a bit more, though, Bridget, I think. Yeah, I think one of the things I learned recently about the Bible is that the way they decide whether a manuscript of any historical evidence is about how it's to do with um, what is written in it, how many of those have been documented in other places that match up, but also the length of time between the events recorded mm -hmm. and when they appear in a written form. And there's other historical manuscripts that are not biblical, um, things that, you know, um, things that we would look to for historical understanding about um, the Roman Empire and all those things and the distance between the events that happened and their recording and the amount of manuscripts is less than when it comes to the Bible. So when those events happened and then when they were written down and the amount of manuscripts that confirm, you know, manuscripts that have been written together at the same time um, actually rates higher than other historical texts that we look to that we trust as well so actually you know even just looking at it from a reliable point of view whether not what the content is but the facts in it actually really lines up in terms of its reliability which is amazing you know other non-religious texts that we look to for history and um, you know the example would be like the crucifixion of Jesus is recorded in a number of different places and um, there was a man from Nazareth who was crucified at the time that Jesus was crucified and um, who just fits the description of Jesus who's named as Jesus of Nazareth um, and who was crucified in the way that Jesus was crucified now those texts are not even religious texts they're just historical texts so it means that from that we can gather actually information from the Bible being historically accurate, um, yeah. which is amazing. And, you know, the other thing as well is that, you know, the Gospels are, those are the re recordings of Jesus' friends. Um, you know, they were written down. They were like a bit more autobiographical. Um, and they basically record um, what happened with Jesus. Now, all the Gospels are slightly different. So it's like you and me, Sherry, we go to a party and then we write about it afterwards um, on Instagram or something. You mm. might pick up slightly different things than I do. But if we've been to the same party, it'll be clear that we've eaten the same food or chatted to maybe similar people, even if we've expressed it in slightly different ways. And it's the same with the Gospels. Some people say, well, so why do the Gospels miss this? Or why do the Gospels miss that? Actually, they fit together as a big picture. But the same way, like, you might write down some stuff and I might write down some stuff, it's going to be slightly different. Um, mm -hmm. But they're not contradicting in terms of, you know, Jesus didn't raise Lazarus from the dead or Jesus did raise Lazarus from the dead. Um, so it's really helpful to see sometimes a bigger picture with the reliability of the text. Um, it's something that I've, I've found. Um, mm. But yeah, some, some interesting thoughts, yeah? I think another area to look into when we talk about trusting the Bible is the big picture of the Bible that is painted. You know, we're talking about 66 books with very different authors from different cultures, from different backgrounds. And yet the Bible clearly tells one whole narrative, you know, it's one story. And for that to be the case over such a long period of time with such different authors, I think gives me a lot of faith in what it's, you know, what the message of the Bible is, the things that the Bible are telling me in just how it fits all together and how it really talks about who God is and what God is doing over the course of thousands of years, you know. It's, uh, it really hangs together, you might say, really um, not, I won't say neatly, because the Bible isn't neat and tidy and clean, you know, it's not like, 
you know, reading Harry Potter and it's one story in that sense, but it all reveals one God and, and one narrative of how God is working through the world and working to redeem the world. So don't read the Bible and expect it to be neat and tidy, but do read the Bible and expect it to be one narrative revealing one God. Yeah, and it aligns to who God is. Like God's a God of love. And actually, who do we see Jesus being? He is love. What does he do to people and how does he treat them? Love. Like There's a narrative there, isn't there, that you can pick up on. The next thing for me would be, um, you know, when people take the Bible seriously, at its word, their lives change. And they change for the better, not just for themselves, but their communities, i.e. there's something powerful about its words and the transformation that it has on people today is the same transformation it had on people back then. And so it, it is, there's something special about it. It's not just the same as like even reading Twilight or the book that I recommended earlier. Um, there's something powerful about the book and it changes people's life in light of God's character. Mm. Um, and, you know, to sort of round all this out, the term that we use for the Bible sometimes is that it's uh, revelation. So <laughs> that might seem like quite a big word, but it reveals something to us, right? That's why our lives are changed. That's why we learn things. That's why we see this big story coming together and hanging together, because it's revealing who God is to us. All of a sudden, we in the pages of scripture um, are meeting someone and, um uh, you know, not just meeting someone in a fanciful way, but really um, building a relationship with the God of the universe. So um, the Bible is more than just 66 books um, with uh, this, you know, <laughs> an ancient text. Yeah. Um, it's revelation. And we've Absolutely. got passages that I think speak into, speak into that, what it does in our lives and how it transforms us. Yeah, I mean, when I was thinking about this before, I was thinking, you know, and um, there's a book in the Bible called Joshua, um, and it says in one eight, this book of the law, and the back in the Old Testament, the the Bible wasn't called the Bible; it was called the law because it was a guide to help people live their lives well. I guess similar like our law, you know, there's certain things that we are told we can do, we can't do. Why are they there? Because they're trying to help us live good lives. So don't murder somebody for instance. Um, That's also from the Bible, by the way. Anyway, so it says this, the book of the law must not leave your mouth, i.e. what is written in the Bible should not leave our lips in terms of how we speak and how we think. Think about it day and night so you may be careful to do all that is written in it. Then all will go well with you. You will receive many good things. I just love that. It's like, take the Bible, think about it day and night. Don't let it leave your lips. Don't let it leave your conversations. And as a result, it will change my life. It will change the lives around me um, and have this like really impactful, impactful way. And the Bible is a guide to help us live a good life. Like the stuff in the Bible does that. You know, it helps me love people well. It helps me reconcile my disagreements well. It helps me forgive. It helps me live generously. It helps me live in the way God has asked me to live. So it's, it's a guide um, the same way that our law is today. How about another passage? Have you got another one for us? Yep. Um, Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith comes to us by hearing the good news. And the news, the good news comes by someone preaching it. So essentially the good news or, you know, um, the words that are in the Bible um, create, you know, creates faith. And I shouldn't, maybe creates isn't the right word, but it causes our faith to grow, to mature. It um, encourages faith in our lives. 
And really, without the Bible, without his word, it can sometimes be really difficult to have a growing and mature faith. So if you're never in the word, if you're not learning what it says and trying to really soak yourself in it, then your faith might not be growing in the way that, you know, you would like it to. Your faith might be getting cold. Hmm. That's, That's really a big thing the Bible does. Yeah. Also, you know, there's a passage in 2 Timothy in the New Testament, 3, 16, 17, says, all the holy writings are God-given and are made alive by him. I.e. what we've got in the Bible is not just some nice words, but they're actually powerful words spoken by God to us. Man is helped when he is taught by God's word. It shows what is wrong. It changes the way of man's life or woman's life. It shows him how to be right with God. It gives the man or woman who belongs to God everything they need to work well for him. So Sheree, how do I read the Bible? <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, the Bible does all these amazing things for us. It grows our faith. It teaches us how to live a good life. It transforms us, we believe. And it seems like, oh, well, then I'll sh- I should come to the Bible and all these things, ama- all these amazing things, excuse me, happen automatically, but it really doesn't happen automatically. The Bible, like our relationship with God, is something we have to invest some time in because it's an ancient document. <laughs> it is... It can be really tricky to read. There can be confusing things. It's actually not in its original language. You know, the Bible has been translated uh, into English. And so sometimes it's not completely clear. So a few tips on how to read your Bible to make it as good uh, an experience as possible. (laughs) The first thing is we need to know what we're reading in terms of the book. So I talked about how there's 66 books in the Bible with all these different authors written over the course of, you know, uh, several generations, <laughs> thousands of years. So the first stop is to really go to the front of the book that you're reading. And often there's a little uh, like explanation there might be in your Bible, or you could just go on and Google it <laughs> too, and just get a little background about the book you're reading. Is it poetry? Is it history? Is it in the Old or New Testament? That means, is it before Jesus comes or is it after Jesus comes? All of these are going to help you to understand a wee bit. Yeah. Because yeah. it's that thing of like, if I'm reading some poetry, for instance, and I'm like, this is historical evidence. I, that's just not going to make sense, right? Like, um, or I'm not going to understand it. Um, you know, so, or if it's, you know, um, kind of somebody sharing some spiritual insight like some of the visions people have had where we go oh like is that what happened when Jesus did this and you know it's really important that you understand what you're reading so Mm. yeah sorry (laughs) I know it can give you big insights and answer questions right off the bat and you know part of this is just having a plan when you open and read your bible if you uh want to learn more about Jesus and what Jesus did or what Jesus wants to do in your life then you want to go to the new testament And maybe make a little plan about, well, I'm going to try and read the whole gospel of John and I'll read it one chapter at a time. If you go in with a plan, then you're less likely to be confused, less likely to be, um, you know, frustrated by what you're reading. Um, The, and part of that is getting maybe a commentary. Now a Bible commentary is just something that helps explain the verses. I mean, very simply, it sounds like a scary thing, but If you're reading a passage that you don't understand and you're thinking, what does this mean? It doesn't make sense. Well, a commentary will give you that insight. It might answer a lot of your questions. And there's commentaries for young people. If you're 
in school. There's commentaries for scholars <laughs> and everything in between. So look, look out a commentary that's maybe meant for teens if you're a teenager. And it's really, I mean, I had one when I was a teenager and it really, really helped me. So uh, do you have any commentaries that you use, Bridget, when you read? or any help yeah I try I mean sometimes I use I've got an app on my phone that's got like context and I guess it's a commentary it just helps you understand the context it tells you I guess what's happening behind the words that you're reading so that's been really good um there's a guy called um N.T. Wright who is a good guy and he's just got quite an accessible commentary I think it's called you know whatever the book of the bible that he's talking about it's like you know Paul for everyone or the new testament for everyone or that kind of thing so I find that quite accessible I have that um, one too Mm-hmm. Oh, good taste. Good taste. There you go. There's another cheeky little book review for everybody. Um, but yeah, so, it's important, right? Because otherwise you can read something and it says like, don't eat prawns. And you're like, why? Because they're really tasty to stir fry. There's a historical reason why in the Old Testament and God's, some of God's complicated laws, they were told not to eat prawns because it was to do with them not getting ill or, you know, whatever it is. But we might look at that and be like, well, that makes no sense. So yeah, that's where things like commentaries are really helpful. Yeah, no, reading it, you know, just with a little your thinking cap on remembering this is an ancient text from a very different culture than ours. Now, if you're not into getting another book, maybe reading is already a bit tricky for you and you don't enjoy it. Well, something we all would recommend is reading it with others, maybe joining a Bible study, you know, with other people your age, Um, maybe, you know, listening into some Bible study podcasts. Uh, You could listen to us. (laughs) But wrestle with it with others. This is the whole point of Christian community. We all have these questions. No one completely understands every bit of the Bible. And so when we read it together, we get answers. We find that other people are on the same page as us. It's really, really helpful. And, you know, when I was in college, I was in a Bible study with a couple girls at a tricky time in my life where I was having a hard time trusting the Bible. And it was so helpful to me to have them walking alongside of me in script, walking alongside me with scriptures. Um, And, you know, Bible is all about relationship. It's about growing our relationship with God. It's about getting closer to him and closer to other Christians. You know, it's not just meant to be read alone all the time, um, especially if you're getting confused or frustrated. So, mm, that's really so Bridget, good. give us some practical tips here on. Well, so I'll be honest, like, so I find praying, which we're going to talk about next week, guys, um, a lot easier than I do reading the Bible. And it's probably because I find reading just hard work. Um, So some of us are big readers, right? And some of us are not. And that is okay. So, you know, how one person reads the Bible might be different than another person. And that is okay. It's about working out what works for you. So for me, I love listening to the Bible because I'm better at listening than reading. So I actually play it on my phone. Um, I've got one of those apps that I download and listen to it. And I also think when you listen to something, you pick up stuff that's different. And then sometimes I'll then go back and read what I've listened to. And it's like I've kind of got it on a different level, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, my first thing I would say is find what works for you. Like, how, are you, how would you take an information on a normal day of your life? Would you listen to a podcast or would you chat with a friend? Would you go and reflect on your own? Uh, would you read something and then meditate on it? Like, use the ways that you learn well and hear something well and apply it the same way to the bible so i do think it's important that we read the bible but how we do that could look maybe different between all of us so find a way that works for you listen to it reflect on it and read on it um so get a recording of it listen to it and um, read something and go away think about it and um, 
open it up and read it with other people, like Sheree has said. So for me, that's where I learn the most is in discussion with other people and in listening. But I've got friends who would be like, oh, no, I've got to go away and think about it on my own first, which is totally great. Um, And I think, you know, getting a plan, like you can get plans on your phone as well, downloading an app that gives you a bit of context, gives some questions that maybe might challenge you in your day. um, And also maybe someone who's got a thought that's been inspired by them reading that passage as well, which is often, it's funny, has really spoken to me in the middle of my day. Um, So go get a plan. And um, yeah, in this week's um, podcast um, blurb at the bottom, there's some examples that we're going to post for you guys. So check them out if you don't already have some good examples. But this week, who is our hero of the faith, Cherie, just as we close? Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, uh, the hero of the faith we chose this time was John Wycliffe. And so John Wycliffe was um, the one of the first if not the first, I think, um, person to translate the Bible into English. And so this happened way back in the 1300s, but actually Wycliffe had to really overcome some adversity to do this. He believed strongly that Bible, the Bible should be in people's native language, that the common everyday person should be able to read the words of the Bible uh, in order to understand them. And at the time, that was kind of novel because the Bible had only been translated into Latin. And so people could only like listen to a priest talk about it or something like that. Um, And he uh, eventually, you know, he was sort of, (laughs) he got in trouble in his life. He was excommunicated because he had done this. Um, But uh, today there's an organization called Wycliffe Bible Translators that still operate on that same belief that people need the Bible in their own language because we all connect to God and grow in our faith, as we talked about, when we are able to read the Bible for ourselves. And so um, my, I had a professor at university, actually, who was a Bi- uh, Wycliffe Bible translator, and he lived with sort of a remote tribe uh, for about half a year. Uh, and he has the fastest Bible translation, at least he used to have the fastest translation on record because he learned their language and translated it in and the whole like old te- Bible. I think it was the whole Bible. I mean, it was just the Old Testament anyway, in under a year. And That's that amazing. Is, it is absolutely crazy to learn a language, to be able to <laughs> translate the entire Bible in that amount of time. But it's so important to people's faith. So John Wycliffe, Wycliffe Bible translators are really inspired. And just think what we owe to him, right? If he hadn't done that, you know, the common person, A, couldn't read back then and they couldn't understand Latin. So they would go to church and they would listen to somebody who they didn't understand. I guess that was blind faith, right? They had no idea what was being talked about. And so when it was put into language, they understood, well, that transformed the church and it transformed their lives. It's incredible. Yeah, 100%. Wow. I mean, it really laid the foundation for other big important changes that happened later in the reformation um boom so, boom yeah. check your sharia at the historian <laughs> well thanks oh. so much for listening today you guys yeah we hope it's inspired you to realize the bible is a historical text but it's so much more than that it's reliable and it is life transforming and has full of really good stuff that is definitely relevant to our lives each and every day and there's great ways that we can engage with it on a day-to-day basis So yeah, until next time, we hope you have a good week and we'll be checking in with you guys next week on how you got on. So until then. Thank you. Bye. Bye.